Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning, 730 on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee along with uh, Tom Keene. Some corporate earnings out today should bring a smile to those invested in the uh, machinery and industrial space. General Electric, first quarter profit beats estimates, 21 cents a share. 19 was the average uh, analyst forecast, adjusted profit of $1.9 billion. Honeywell, raising the low end of its profit forecast, full year now expected to be 655 to 670 a share, revenue $40.3 to $40.9 billion. First quarter earnings rose to $1.53 a share, beating the $150 average of analyst estimates. And here's an interesting one for those of you investing in Uber and gig economy companies. Uber resolving the biggest threat to its business settles with California drivers who wanted to be treated like traditional employees. The agreement calls for Uber to pay $100 million to drivers in California, and Massachusetts allows them to solicit tips from riders, but keeps them as the contract employees that they currently are. And this just crossing the Bloomberg Caterpillars first quarter adjusted earnings per share, 67 cents. The forecast was for 68. Now let's check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael? Mike, thank you very much. After lunch with the Queen, President Obama will meet later today with British Prime Minister David Cameron. The meeting comes as President Obama is hoping to influence the U.K. not to leave the European Union. The president wrote in an op-ed piece in The Telegraph saying the EU does not moderate British influence. It magnifies it. However, London Mayor Boris Johnson called the president's suggestion perverse. A big fan of Barack Obama on, on any subject, but clearly this is something where we have a disagreement. An autopsy is scheduled for today on pop star Prince, who was found unresponsive yesterday in an elevator at a suburban Minneapolis compound. Prince's death comes two weeks after he canceled a concert in Atlanta because he was not feeling well. Prince was 57. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike? Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Land Rover Parsippany Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. Here's John Stasher. Hi, Mike. Rangers-Penguins game fourth the guard. Couldn't have been much worse for the Blue Shirts. Pittsburgh scored three times, opening period. Henrik Lundqvist got benched in the second after giving up an Evgeny Malkin goal. Malkin added another third period. 5 nothing Penguins, the fifth consecutive home playoff loss going back to last year. And if the Rangers lose tomorrow afternoon in Pittsburgh, the season is over. Things going from bad to worse for the Yankees. Jason Treves. First two pitches of the seventh inning, both left the yard. Oakland finished a sweep 7-3, to three, and the Yanks have lost seven of the last eight. In Cincinnati last night, a fly ball, shallow right, playable. Zobrist is there. Coming in is Hayward. No hitter for Arietta. Jake Arietta pitches a no-hitter here at the Great American Ballpark. Cubs Radio, Chicago won 16 to nothing, and Arietta's picked up where he left off last season. He's 15-0 and in his last 16 regular season starts with two no-hitters. With the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update, I'm John Stashauer. 
Thank you, John. Well, we have some more news coming in from Caterpillar. Not particularly good. They're lowering their forecast for 2016. Now, $3.70, they had seen $4. Uh, they are still above the consensus estimate of 361. We'll keep an eye on CAT. Uh, as I mentioned, they're earning 67 cents. The consensus was for 68. You're listening to Bloomberg Radio Worldwide. And this is Bloomberg Surveillance. I'm Michael McKee along with Tom Keen on a day when the U.S. is diverging from the rest of the world, shall we say. Stock 600 in Europe down three-tenths, a little over a point. But U.S. futures, uh, we'll call them slightly green. At least they ha- they are green. They're not up a lot. Uh, S&P futures up by three points now, a tenth of a percent. Dow evenies are up uh, just two points. NASDAQ futures are lower by three points, a tenth of a percent. Time now for the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report, brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. Investing more than $110 million a year in applied research to solve problems and improve life. Learn more at storiesofinnovation.njit.edu. Here is John Tucker. And um, good morning, Michael. Now let's see what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Representatives of more than 150 nations are in New York today. They're signing the Paris Climate Accord setting in motion the unprecedented global effort to reduce pollution and slow rising temperatures linked to floods, heat waves, and droughts. This ceremony at the U.N. headquarters is expected to set a record for the largest number of nations to sign an agreement on the first day possible. It calls for countries to voluntarily reduce fossil fuel emissions in hopes of limiting global warming. Government of China, through the Chinese Academy of Sciences, has struck a deal with advanced microdevices to form joint ventures and license advanced processor technology from the U.S. chipmaker. And according to the Associated Press, the chief administrator of the country's space program said today work is proceeding quickly on China's planned mission to land a rover on Mars by 2020. Uh, formally announced in January, China's Mars voyage will attempt to recreate the success of the U.S. Viking 1 mission that landed a rover on the planet four decades ago. Now, that, Michael, is this morning's Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Well, John Tucker, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. This is a thrill, folks. Most people in the media get Michael Mayo for one minute, two minutes, three minutes here. He goes this, this, this. We get a longer uh, battle with him here today. And to, to, to drive forward the idea of governance at banks and the idea of what they do at their annual meetings. But first, Michael Mayo, you're optimistic on the banks is a business plan, right? Absolutely, Tom. We've changed our position on the banks. As you know, we were very negative last decade uh, before and through the financial crisis. But now the bank balance sheets are safer than they've been in decades. Risk is lower than it's been any time since the financial crisis. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing early signs of traditional lending revenues improve. So in the words of Karen Carpenter... We've only just begun. Um, da, 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 da. Okay. I'm not going to oh, sing. Don't get him singing. Don't get, get me singing my carpenter's thing. Um, but, Mike, at the same time, you want to hear more about their business plan. Why is a bank annual meeting different from John Deere or Caterpillar's annual meeting? Are you picking on Brian Moynihan and the others? Or is there something unique about their quiet and their secrecy? So we're more positive on banks, but it's not a blind recommendation. We think that the management teams of the banks need to be held more accountable. And for me personally, I've written research reports on Wall Street and got shut down, testified to Congress, got shut down, wrote a book, 
you know, no, things still haven't changed yet. And you have the new proposal for payrolls and Wall Street. That's not going to do it. All the micromanagement in the world's not going to do it. At some point, you say, we've seen management teams come and go. Let's hold the boards of directors more accountable. In, in other words, if your sports team keeps losing games and they get – you know, new coach year after year. At some point, you want to talk to the general manager, and this is the equivalent of doing that. Mm-hmm. I want to know what the uh, uh, follow up on what Tom said in terms of uh, the business plan. The business plan used to be you take deposits and you lend them out and you make money, and then it evolved into everything from investment banking to trading on your own account. And we've seen how well that worked out in the last quarter. So, what is a, what is a successful financial institution going to look like next? A successful financial institution generates returns above the cost of capital. That would be something called return on equity. And some banks have good returns and some banks have bad returns. So the annual meetings uh, next week for Citigroup, Bank of America, and a regional bank, Comerica, all three of those banks have failed to create value for every year for the last eight years. And so our question for the board of directors is, if you're not getting it done, what is your plan B? And maybe your plan B should be some asset sales or restructuring, or even in the case of Comerica, an absolute sale. Well, do do they become utility-like? Do they go back to the old retail banking model of deposits and lending, or is, is all the other financial engineering that they do still a key part of how you get that return on equity? It's a little bit back to the future, directionally like the 1950s, where not banks as utilities, but banks with more utility-like outcomes, where banks are pillars of strength and stability. And by the way, collectively, you know, we're fighting the last war. There's not going to be, you know, a bank calamity coming up. Banks have more capital than they've had in 80 years. They can absorb another financial crisis and still have more capital than they had before the last downturn. How do you respond to what I'm sure you hear from bankers that we need to keep our plans quiet? We can't tell Mike Mayo in an annual meeting what we're doing. Enough. Tom, you're setting me off here. I'm, I know I can we're, tell. We're, we're, no, we're not doing enough. Okay. I've been doing this 25 years. Mm-hmm. You have one time a year to ask questions of the directors at banks. One time a year. Mm-hmm. By the way, these are your owners. So, And the one that infuriates me the most Mm-hmm. is Bank of America. What do they do specifically? Uh, Quickly but, here, we'll come back. Okay, well, if it's too quick, I, I'd save it. What's the number one thing they do? No, what they, they don't give you Rangers tickets? Uh, well, for, we recommend Bank of America stock now, so we're positive. Mm-hmm. We'd have much more upside if they had a better tone at the top. Their September 22nd shareholder meeting, they literally pulled the microphone away from somebody midstream, mid-sentence, while he was asking the question. Okay, well, we'll come back on that. So fired up. Michael Mayo of CLSA, a lot to talk about, and what a distinction. He's enthusiastic on the banks, but we'll continue, we'll continue with the but of bank transparency. Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. 
And I'm Karen, and I'm Karen Moscow. Caterpillar is down almost 2% this morning, the largest manufacturer of mining and construction equipment, lowering its 2016 earnings and sales forecast as a slump in demand persists after a meltdown in commodities prices. GE reported first quarter profit that beat analyst estimates revenue just missed and its shares are down more than 1%. Honeywell International raised the low end of its profit forecast after first quarter earnings topped analyst estimates with the help of a $5.1 billion acquisition Position that bolstered sales. Advanced micro devices were also watching up 23%. It said its licensing technology to a Chinese state-backed joint venture will produce server processors for that country's market. Futures this morning are higher. S&P E-mini futures up two points. Dow E-mini futures are down three, though, and NASDAQ E-mini futures are down three as well. The DAX in Germany is down half percent right now. Ten-year Treasury, little change. The yield 1.86 percent. The yield on the two-year, 0.80 percent. NYMEX crude oil up four-tenths percent or 17 cents to 43.35 a barrel. COMEX gold is down a quarter percent or three dollars to 12.47.30 an ounce. The euro, a dollar 12.64. The yen, one ten point six. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen Mosco, thank you very much. We're talking with Michael Mayo from CLSA, uh, bank analyst. And you're, uh, before the break, you were talking about how banks, uh, as you go to their annual meetings, are going to have to explain themselves and what their plans are. Some shareholders already concerned about what Citigroup's plans are, and they proposal break the bank up i think it's called uh, proposition eight something like that uh isn't that what michael corbett's been doing hasn't city been trying to essentially shed the unprofitable parts of the business uh what would this do that isn't already being done well the, the good news is Citigroup last year had the best returns since before the financial crisis the balance sheet is very strong they've moved in the right direction They've simplified and they shed a lot of assets, as you pointed out, um, but they haven't done enough. And so for Citigroup or any bank with returns below the cost of capital, their returns are low for all of the last eight years, what is plan B? It's been a long time now, uh, enough waiting, do more, sell off some assets, redeploy those proceeds. I mean, Citigroup, under one financial metric, trades at you know, 80% of its tangible book, the stock price is below the book value. And so that means investors don't have enough confidence that the future will improve enough. So we're going to the, 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 meet, the question at meeting is, why not consider plan B? Why not get more aggressive with your restructuring? I, I got a bunch of questions here, but if Citigroup is a 10 for one reverse split, the stock has gone from next to nothing to 50 down to $4.66. And they do a fancy split to make it $46.60 a share. What jump starts those stocks? It's free cash flow, like with every other company, right? Absolutely. Better free cash flow, but relative to the equity Citigroup has to hold. So the good news is Citigroup is a lot safer. Their capital is Agreed. a lot, lot higher. The bad news is it's tougher to generate returns on those higher levels of Do they need just fewer people? I mean, what's, I mean, let me get it up here. Uh, right now, their their headcount. Um, I mean, all of these banks are loaded up with employees. Citigroup's 225,000 people. Where's that number in five years? Well, it's come down quite a bit already, and we think City will continue to be smaller as the years go on. They have streamlined quite a bit, but they need to perhaps restructure more aggressively. Those businesses that are, you know, capital hogs. You just the want them to go faster. 
is the, is the hard. Well, they're not getting it done. I mean, you have some banks like J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo with with very good returns. Citigroup has poor returns. That's why yeah. that's why we're going. That's why our team's going to the annual meeting on Tuesday to say, you know, right. some, some of your peers are getting it done. It's time for you to get it done. Board of directors, what <clears throat> is management doing? If they can't get it done, what is your plan B? And Mike, what you can do from Gainesville is go right down to Coral Gables. That's what they're they're holding the, sure. the meeting at the University of Miami. Why are they holding the meeting? Uh, in the middle of nowhere. You know, we're very frustrated with the behavior, not just of, you know, Citigroup, but for many of these banks, which hold their annual meetings, you know, far away. Two years ago, I went to Citigroup's annual meeting in St. Louis. What does St. Louis have to do with Citigroup's investors? And so, you know, this is a Citigroup has gotten better. You know what's good about Citigroup? They're the only large bank with a separate chairman from the CEO. And the chairman, Mike O'Neill, uh, is a longtime a bank restructuring expert, and he's on the scene. This is the one time a year you actually get to hear mm. from that chairman, Mike O'Neill. So for all the issues, including having the annual meeting down in Coral Gables, Florida, University of Miami, uh, they have made some positive governance changes. Well, uh, can they sway you? Can can you be persuaded that they're on the right track? You're very negative on them, and yet you're praising the management as people who know what they're doing and uh, who seem to be committed to what you want them to do. Well, we're more positive on the stock. Uh, we're very positive on the stock. It's very inexpensive. The fundamentals have improved. It just hasn't improved a- enough. So, you know, what is it comes down to returns. Returns have improved also the best in a decade, but they're still not at that threshold where you go from value destruction to value creation. It's a fair, fair question for any bank. If your returns are lousy, what is the board of directors doing to make sure that the returns will be adequate and closer to peer levels? Now, how do you resolve the tension between what you want them to do on behalf of shareholders, which is uh, make more money, which incentivizes management maybe to take more risk, and regulators who say, no, 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 don't do that. We just want you to survive. Well, I think you know, regulators and investors can be on the same page. I mean, Citigroup directionally has more utility-like outcomes. Directionally, they have less risk than they've had since before the financial crisis and going back even further. And to the extent that banks, the regulators want Citigroup and other banks to streamline and simplify. And I think investors would be uh, more enthusiastic if Citigroup went faster to shed some of their assets. I mean, Mexico is what we brought up. Why not sell your Mexican bank? For almost all of Citigroup's uh, history, they didn't have this bank in Mexico or sell off some other appreciated assets and use those proceeds to buy back your own stock. It's like, you know, seeing dollar bills and paying 80 cents for every dollar mm-hmm. bill that you buy. So this is the financial analysis here. Is, it's really straightforward. Well, it's just just execute better. And now on a Friday, folks, in honor of those that will sit for the CFA exam, come June, we ask a deferred tax asset question. Douglas in Florida notes that all these banks, and in particular Citigroup, have a strange thing sitting on their balance sheet, a deferred tax asset. I guess it's sort of like City Stadium, whatever it is, or the Mets play. What's a deferred tax asset, and how critical is that for Mr. Corbett to keep the house of cards going, particularly as regards book value? Well, that's a great question. It's a technical question. Just think of it in terms of a tax benefit. Citigroup has a tax benefit of almost $50 billion. That's going to come someday. Well, as they earn more earnings, they get to use those tax benefits, their tax credit. Right. And that's hurting their returns to the other point. But, you know, at some point you say, you know, boo-hoo, 
we don't have better returns. We have this big tax credit. And our response is, okay, use your tax credit. And one way to use that tax credit is to sell appreciated assets and don't pay taxes on those gains. So get more aggressive in using that tax credit. You're, uh, you're also going this week to Bank of America, uh, and uh, you, you mentioned Citi's the only one that has split the CEO and chairman's job. Is that, is that back again to do something uh, to, to, to make Mr. Uh, Moynihan shorten his business card? Uh, that's you know done. Uh, I, we didn't like the way that was done last September 22nd. They had a special shareholder meeting in Charlotte. I was there. I asked one of the four questions, and as I was saying before we went to break before, the fourth and last questioner, uh, they literally pulled the microphone away from the person asking the question. And this is a small mom-and-pop investor? Yes, they pulled, mid, mid-sentence, they pulled the microphone away, uh, but this wasn't you know, an ex-employee or wasn't me. This was the representative of CalPERS and CalSTRS. They manage $500 billion of assets under management for millions of employees, public service employees in the state of California, firemen, police, teachers, and they pulled the microphone away because he had reached the two-minute limit, even though he had tra- traveled 6,000 miles round trip to ask his question and represent the state of California, $500 billion of, uh, of assets under management. Oh, by the way, the CEO, Brian Moynihan, and the lead director, Jack Bovinder Jr., were on the stage and did absolutely nothing. This is not just bad corporate behavior. What would you like from Mr. Moynihan? Well, I'd like to see him just answer all the questions. But, you know, Berkshire Hathaway, they have an all-day annual meeting. By the way, that meeting That's last... a scary thought, you and Warren Buffett asking questions on stage. <laughs> well, I mean, in this uh, Bank America case, that meeting lasted less than 15 minutes. Who's more important than the owners of your company? So what I'd like to see, just for starters, Please. is for Bank America to answer the questions that are asked next Wednesday and don't artificially end the meeting after, you know... You know, two hours or one hour or 15 minutes. At least go three hours. These are your owners. You have one time a year to ask questions of Bank America's board. A positive mm. step, the new lead director at Bank America, the, the start of the annual report mm. says we want to engage with shareholders more. Well, let's see those words backed up with actions. Mike Mayo, thank you so much. with we'll CLSA fired up, but I want to make the distinction again. He is positive on the banks as a general statement, even though sharply critical on some of their governance uh, methods and techniques. Our technique is to announce that Michael McKee is in Gainesville, Florida, in support of the Business School of the University of uh, Florida. We are in New York to get your Friday ready and your weekend uh, reading. Lots coming up, uh, and we will uh, do that on economics, finance, investment, and international relations. Today, the the, the relation is a weaker yen. One ten seventy eight is really quite a move, I would say, over the last number of days. Dollar, we have dollar strength, not too much. DXY, 94.8. Another hour of Bloomberg surveillance.